There is good news and bad news in the creation versus evolution debate. The good news is that Dr. Anthony Flew of England, one of the world's leading atheists, recently announced that he now believes in intelligent design rather than evolution. The bad news is that more and more evangelical church leaders seem to be endorsing the viewpoint of Dr. Hugh Ross, who rejects a literal interpretation of the Genesis story of creation. For details about these developments, stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. Once again this week, for the third week in a row, we're going to focus on the creation versus evolution debate. And once again, I'm pleased to have as my special guest, Dr. Job Morton, founder and director of Biblical Discipleship Ministries in Rockwall, Texas. Dr. Morton, welcome back. Uh, it's good to be back. Dr. As we Ray. say in Texas, you have blessed my socks off in these last two programs, and I am really looking forward to this one. <laughs> well, praise God, you have socks. <laughs> okay. And uh, Nathan, we're glad to have you back, too. Uh, this oh, is uh, Nathan Jones. Nathan is our web minister. He's the fellow that's on that uh, website eight hours a day, uh, resp- uh, 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 corresponding with people literally all over the world. And if you have any questions about Bible prophecy, you just go to our website and send them to Nathan. Send all the really difficult ones to him, okay? I'd be happy to answer. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Dr. Martin, the scientific world was recently uh, shocked uh, when one of its leading atheist spokesmen, Dr. Uh, Anthony Flew of England, suddenly announced that he now believes in intelligent design rather than evolution as the best explanation of the existence of the universe. What was your response to that announcement? Well, first of all, I don't know Dr. Flew, but my response was there's an honest scientist. He has looked at the evidence, the hard uh, experimentally verifiable evidence, and it's saying, look, there is design here. And it doesn't matter which area of science you look at, there is design. And so he comes to the conclusion, based on the science, there is design. And so he, he hasn't come to know, like, Jesus as his Savior, as far as I know. Yes. And I don't even know if he believes in the God of the Bible. But he at least does now believe there is some kind of a design error that has produced the design. Seems like I'm seeing more and more of this. Every time I look around, it seems like some evolutionist is now saying, "Well, it, there had to be design, and, and maybe it was aliens who came from outer space and put life here or whatever." But they, they're, they're more and more moving toward design. Well, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they've been lo- they lose their debates when they debate a creationist, yes. and then here comes the intelligent design movement, the Discovery Institute, and some of these people going on the campuses. And they're saying, they don't talk about <clears throat> excuse me a God at all. They just talk about here's my area of science. There is design. Well, you know, it just seems to me like design is nothing in the world but common sense. Look at it this way: when you say that all this, that uh, that we see around here, our human bodies and everything else, just happened accidentally through evolution, to me is equivalent to standing in front of Mount Rushmore and saying, "Wow, isn't it amazing what you can accomplish through erosion." Or looking at a Boeing 747 and saying, wow, did you know that was came about as a tornado blowing through a junkyard? We would die laughing. We would mock it all day long. And yet we turn around and say something as complicated as your body was just an accident. Yes, it doesn't make sense. It's common sense <clears throat> design. Isn't it, it is. It is. And everything you look at has design. 
I mean, what, what, what is anywhere that doesn't have some well, kind of design? I have a wristwatch here. I can look at that wristwatch, and I can tell you somebody designed it. Uh, I've got one here, too. It says Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but what time is it? <laughs> Even farther and deeper into to design and how things are made is the coding that makes us up, the DNA. Now, as scientists learn more and more about DNA, is that changing the evolution-creation debate? Well, there's a couple things going on. Uh, number one, uh, DNA, <clears throat> excuse me, DNA is language. It's the language of the cell. Well, what is language? It's words. It's symbols. Well, where do they come from? From intelligence. And there's information. And so the, one of the huge problems now is how does the information get into the DNA? Because a lot of people think, well, you can just grab some information, stick it into a gene, and maybe take some information out of a gene, and now you have this. No, you can, it's non-material. It, you can't get a hold of information. It is, it's, there's no way. So mm -hmm. you can't, like, take some information and stick it into a gene. <laughs> and you can't take information out of a gene, which means uh, supernaturally the information had to have been put in for each life form when the life form was created. And so now it's been breaking down, but I, I usually say on the campuses, okay, DNA is language. Language requires intelligence. Nobody disagrees. DNA is language. Nobody disagrees. It's the language of the cell. Therefore, DNA had an intelligent cause, and it usually just goes silence. Hmm. Uh, DNA tells your fingernails, go on top. If they came off under, you'd slip off everything. You know, DNA tells your nose, go on with the holes down. If the holes are up, you're in the shower, you're in a problem, you see. Yes, it's the language of the cell. So D Now, a lot of evolution is based on the idea that mutation changes one creature to another creature. So if you're saying then that DNA is infusion of, uh, it is information, then mutation would mean that new information would have to be added to create a new creature, and that doesn't happen. Right? Exactly right. There's no way to put new information into any gene, which means bacteria have information in their genes for bacteria. A bacteria will never become people over millions of years because someone would have to add information to that bacteria gene set to get to people would have different genes, different information in the genes. There's no way to do that. That fact alone wipes out this whole idea of evolution over millions of years. I've heard people say, well, our DNA, human, is so similar to the DNA of, say, an ape, that there must be some relationship between the two. Yes. Well, what do we have? We've got a common designer, a common God. We've got a common food chain. We live in a common atmosphere, and God put together some things in the genetic makeup of animals. That it works. It works. But when they say, oh, like a professor over here at SMU said, there's only one amino acid difference between a chimpanzee and a man. And I just say to him, okay, next time you need a blood transfusion, we'll just bring in a chimpanzee. We'll give him, you'll be fine. There's only one amino. No, no, they're not going to do that. No, it'll kill them. There are huge differences. Yeah, so. I tell you, uh, uh, you know, uh, General Santa Ana of the Mexican forces was called uh, the General uh, No Quarter. He gave no quarter. I think you 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 deserve that title. You give no quarter. <laughs> I mean, well, you, you really go after these guys. <laughs> well, some of these guys, I mean, you, you have to. In God, in love, but firmly. You just have to. Yeah. Well, when um, they say that, okay, this DNA, we know how complex it is. But then you always hear, oh, a simple-celled, one-celled organism. Is this a one-celled organism as simple as... As it says? Well, first of all, Darwin didn't have a clue what was going on inside the cell. <laughs> That's all true. Right? But now we know in, in, in my lifetime. 
we found all these things going on. A cell is like, it, it can do uh, a million reactions per second. 3,000 wow. to 6,000 little chemical factories making exactly the right chemicals and exactly the right concentrations and the right relationships. I mean, that's going on in our cells right now. And we don't blow up. Uh, <laughs> there, there's, there's, yeah, there's no way. The book, The Evolution of a Creationist, is a layman's guide to the conflict between the Bible and evolutionary theory. Author Dr. Job Martin shares that while on the faculty of Baylor College of Dentistry, he was challenged by his students to study the little-known assumptions of the theory of evolution. This book chronicles his personal journey from traditional evolutionist to a creationist. Dr. Martin's scientific and medical training was revolutionized as he studied animals that challenged the scientific assumptions of his education. The evolution of a creationist takes a look at animals that break all the evolutionary rules. Dr. Martin presents 10 marvels of God's creation. The bombardier beetle, the incubator bird, the garden spider, the gecko lizard, the giraffe, the anglerfish, the beaver, the chicken egg, the chuckwalla lizard, and the woodpecker. It examines the many problems with evolutionary theory and shows why the Bible is an excellent book of science. This book can be yours for a gift of $15 or more. Shipping is free of charge. To get a copy, visit lamblion.com and look for product number P72. Welcome back to our interview of Dr. Job Morton. He is the founder of Biblical Discipleship uh, Ministries uh, located in uh, Rockwall, Texas, and he is an expert on the evolution versus creation debate. Nathan, how about you starting off uh, this round with the first question? Certainly. Well, I was watching Sesame Street with my kids, and the little red monster, Elmo, he comes out, and he's teaching the kids on dinosaurs, and he says, dinosaurs lived millions of years ago. Is Elmo right? <laughs> well... What does the Bible say? We go back to the Bible. What's it say? Well, God created Adam on day six, but that's also the day he created the great beasts of the earth. Well, I think that would include dinosaurs. So that would mean we have dinosaurs going all the way back to the beginning when man was here, which is 6,000 years, not, not millions of years. And then we have pictures of dinosaurs, like in our Grand Canyon. There's, there's dinosaurs sketched on the rocks that the Indians did. And they've, they've done some oxidation testing. Now, wait a minute. I thought that uh, they were supposed to exist long before man. Well, that's the problem. If they did, if dinosaurs existed, well, that, what do they say? They went extinct about 60 million years before yeah. humans ever walked the earth. Right. Well, then how can a human paint Draw a picture of, of a dinosaur if they've never <laughs> seen a dinosaur? And then you have those Ica stones down there in Peru. They've thousands of them with every kind of dinosaur you can think of, which means maybe as short a time ago as a thousand years, they were seeing dinosaurs of like Triceratops and Stegosaurus, like those things, in Peru. That would explain then why every civilization has some kind of dragon story, even though the civilizations grew up totally separate. I think you're right, and they huh. do. They have dragon stories, dragon legends. What's a dragon? Well, probably a dinosaur. I mean, I think the Bible talks about dinosaurs. I yes, uh, tell us about that. Uh, where, or they mentioned the book of Job. Yes, Job uh, chapter 40, verse 15, talks about behemoth or behemoth. Mm -hmm. That's a Hebrew intensive noun, one huge creature. Mm -hmm. And one thing it says is it has a tail like a cedar. 
Well, uh, the footnotes in almost every Bible will say, well, it's got to be an elephant or a hippopotamus. Well, you get around behind an elephant. <laughs> yeah. Is that a cedar tree? No, uh, it's, it's little a twig. things. I've never yeah. seen a tail like a tree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or a, or a hippopotamus. What's that? You know, a cedar tree? No. Uh, so I guess even the people that do the footnotes in the Bibles think dinosaurs and humans didn't live at the same time. Well, so they got to think up some other way to put a meaning on that word. Well, there's been tracks found, right, with human footprints inside, dinosaur footprints in the clay? Several places on Earth, mm -hmm. yes, in what's called Cretaceous rock strata. That's dinosaur rock. Yes, human footprints, dinosaur footprints. Right here in Texas, we had our 20-some years ago, we had our feet in the human footprints in the Cretaceous rock strata. And then the Park Service apparently eliminated those human-like footprints. Really? Uh, yeah, they're not there anymore. And the dinosaur footprints are still there. Have any samples been removed to, for safety? There are some uh, that have been taken out uh, a yeah. long time ago. And they're... Uh, so the parks are willfully destroying evidence of creation. Well, as far as I can tell, they are. If, if you would damage oh. one of the dinosaur footprints, you'd go to jail. Oh, yeah. But, but you can damage the human footprints because humans and dinosaurs couldn't have existed together, so they can't be human footprints. So, But they look like human footprints, so we'll just kind of destroy them because that's going to confuse people. They're going to think, well, maybe humans and dinosaurs did exist together with these kind of footprints. Nathan, right. you get uh, questions from time to time. I know I do about the ark. Uh, uh, how did yeah, how, how did Noah get dinosaurs on the ark? Yeah, how do you ask? fit a giant brachiosaurus <laughs> into an ark without sinking it? Yes, well, first of all, that was one huge ship. It wasn't like you see in Sunday school literature, this little boat with giraffes sticking out the top, okay? <laughs> and the monkey on the bow. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and I would imagine God brought young dinosaurs. The biggest sure. dinosaur egg that, as far as I know, is about the size of a football. Mm -hmm. That means the hugest dinosaur could at one point fit in a football. Wow. So God could have brought young dinosaurs. They'd live longer, wouldn't eat as much, things like that. What about their disappearance? Well, I think probably uh, the flood took care of most of the big ones. Now, we know some, I, I think God brought dinosaurs to Noah. I think there were no dinosaurs on the ark, but now they come out. Different kind of environment. Before the flood, oh, yes. I think we had pole-to-pole -pole greenhouse warm. Mm. Everything is still eating green plants. Genesis chapter 1, 29 and 30, to every beast of the earth. I've given every green plant. And dinosaurs, a beast, lived on the earth, mm -hmm. included with every. And so they're still eating green plants, which is the food that Noah would have on the ark. Then they come out of the ark. This water canopy has come down. Now we have the harsh seasons, ice, snow, the ice age formed. And uh, there's not as much to eat. And God also now put enmity between man and beast, Genesis mm -hmm. chapter 9. So now he says to Noah, Noah, you were living with that T-Rex on the ark, and he didn't try to eat you. You were still friends. But now, Noah, he's going to try to catch you and eat you. And you need to catch him and eat him. Yeah, and when a bunch of velociraptors running yeah. around your backyard, you're right. going to kill him, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, well, I think that all of these animals, uh, I don't think dinosaurs are extinct. I think there could still be some dinosaurs around. In 1925, they pulled out a, a plesiosaurus called California Nessie. And then just about 10 years ago, I saw a picture of uh, a Japanese fishing boat. Didn't they haul up a dead plesiosaurus? It would be one of those water dinosaurs? Well, it sure looks like that. Uh, some people say, no, that was a basking shark. But it sure does look With like With a neck that long? Yeah, <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. Well, <laughs> let me ask you another question related to that, and that is uh, the caveman, the Neanderthal. Yes. What about him? Well, first of all, they were either men or they were monkeys or apes or orangutans. There's not a single undisputed fossil that people say this is kind of one of the missing links. <laughs> and, and Neanderthal, uh, Donald, Donald Johansson, the guy that found Lucy, the little three-and-a-half-foot-tall mm. Australopithecine, he said 
about Neanderthal, put him in a suit, put him in a subway in England, <laughs> give him a handful of coins with one token, he'll pull out the token, put it in there and get on the subway and you'd never know he wasn't common European man. So That's interesting because it seems yeah. to me like most of the time they find a tooth and from that tooth they draw this picture of what it was looking like and he always is some guy humped over and ape-like looking and so forth. Yeah, well, you know, I think that the Flintstones brought all this together, okay? Uh, you, you, have, you have dinosaurs, you have man, they're all living together, the men look a little primitive, the dinosaurs look... Uh, and so all you have to do is watch the Flintstones, you'll get the truth out of this. All right, yeah. wow. So, so you're denying that there was any kind of pre-human uh, species that uh, was we would call a Neanderthal or something of that nature. Exactly, and 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 that's the way they're looked at, like they're pre-human. Yes. Well, then you're working up to Adam, but at Adam starts death at the yeah. curse and at the fall. So you can't have that anyway. By the way, Job talks about that. Job chapter thirty. He says there are people living in caves that are castoffs of society. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what caveman was. He was a cast-off of society. That's where they, probably the way they handled people like we would send to a penitentiary. Sure. Yeah. That, that could well be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Job chapter 30 talks about them. We want you to become more familiar with us, so we've prepared an introductory packet for anyone who requests it. This packet is free, and you can receive one of your own by calling the number on your screen or writing to us at landlion at landline.com. Your packet will contain the latest issue of our bi-monthly magazine, The Lamplighter, a catalog listing all of our resources, our most popular publication entitled, What Happens When You Die?, and an audio message entitled, Jesus is Coming Soon. When you request your introductory packet, you'll also begin receiving every other month our magazine, The Lamplighter. Just give us a call at 1-800-705-8316 during regular business hours Central Time and ask for the Lamb and Lion introductory packet. Or you can email us at lamblion at lamblion.com. Please remember to provide us your name and address when you write. Dr. Morton, I have one last question for you, and it uh, has to do with uh, something rather unfortunate. That is, that a lot of uh, leading evangelical spokesmen have recently uh, endorsed the views of Dr. Hugh Ross, who uh, believes in an uh, ancient earth, an earth of millions or billions of years of age. What do you think of Dr. Ross's viewpoint, and why do you think it's picking up so many endorsements in the evangelical community? Well, as far as his uh, Christianity, let's say, his faith in Jesus, I, I, I have no way to, to evaluate that. I can evaluate what he says about billions of years and a local flood in the days of Noah. That's not biblical. Uh, he says the flood was contained in the Mesopotamian Valley. Now, he's kind of tricky because he said it was a universal flood. So if you just read him just kind of casually, you would say, oh, he believes in a global flood. No, universal was universal to the people that lived in the Mesopotamian oh, Valley. Oh, okay. And then well, if that's true, and it says that the water covered the mountaintops by so many cubits, well, then you would have a wall of water going up with Noah up here, and, uh, and look out, Noah, you're going to go off the edge. Mm. Uh, water would go over the top. Now, God can separate water like that. He did it with the Red Sea, did it with the Jordan. But the evidence in the Bible, all the high hills of all the mountains were covered. All the dry land animals were killed in the flood. 
and all the people, other than the ones that were on the ark. Why is he so interested to deny the clear teaching of the Bible that it was a worldwide flood? Yes, right. What is he trying to gain by that? I think what's going on is these people want to maintain their credibility with the scientific community. They want people to look at them and say, ah, these are very bright people. Because why? Because they buy into this whole concept of billions of years, which means there has to be a local flood in the days of Noah. You can't have a flood covered the earth. And so I think they love the approval of men more than the approval of God. It seems to me that uh, when you start talking about this ancient earth and you're an evangelical, you run into a major theological problem that you have mentioned several times. And I want you just to develop it a little bit. And that has to do with sin and death. Well, the fact is, uh, for instance, Hugh Ross, as I understand it, with the progressive creationists, they believed there was a pre-Adamic race of people, but they didn't have a soul or a spirit. And therefore, you can't say that there was uh, death before Adam in the same sense that we say with Adam came death. But the fact is, with Adam came the death of everything. Everything that's alive dies. Plants, animals, Everything dies. Because God put the curse upon the creation. Exactly right. And so, uh, Romans 5.12, by man came death, by Adam came death, 1 Corinthians 15. And you cannot have a pre-Adamic race of things living and dying before death came on the earth. You, Matter of fact, God says at the end of the first week, everything was very good. That's right. Well, if it's very good, and you have a whole history in the fossil record, of dead things, some of which even had cancer in the bones, in the fossils. They have cancer. When did cancer, when did sickness, disease come? After the curse. That's part of the curse and part of the fall. Matter of fact, thorns and thistles. Thorns and thistles are found in some of the very oldest rocks, sedimentary rocks. Well, wait a minute. By Adam's sin came thorns and thistles. That's right. So you can't have all these things predating Adam. But that's what God says. He made it all within a six-day week that's made up of the same kind of days we work. Heaven, earth, sea, and everything in them. So if we just go back to what the Bible says, there's no way to get these billions of years and a local flood in the days of Noah. But there is absolutely no evidence in the Bible of a pre-Adamic race, is there? Zero. You have to... Read that this into is a the This product Bible. of the imagination. It is. It, well, it is. To believe there's a local flood, too, you'd have to ignore. Isn't there shells on top like Mount Everest in a closed position and human skeletons found on the top of mountains that have nowhere near to do with that local flood area? Yes. And what's God tell us? During the flood, he's heaving up mountains, dropping That's down right. ocean That's floors. Right. He's rearranging the surface of the earth. And when you find a clam that is in sedimentary rock and it's closed, That means it was trapped when it was alive. Because if they die, the muscle relaxes and it opens. Mm. So if it was just dead things that got washed in, okay, open clamshells, no problem. But when they have millions of these that are closed, that means they were caught, they were caught quickly, they were trapped. That sounds like a rapidly developing flood, which I think... The flood of Noah's day was rapidly developing. And to have the water come out of a canopy straight down, that would also explain why all those mammoths are flash frozen, eating all over the planet, right? Well, there's water coming down, there's water coming up. Said so the fountains of the deep uh, broke up, and up, up they come. And there's things on Earth that are, that are difficult to describe and understand. Uh, for instance, like some of, the, some of the frozen woolly mammoths. Exactly right. They're, they're quick frozen. And uh, how can that be? Unless something was happening just very rapidly, and, and it was. And I think after the flood, that's when the Ice Age came, hmm. which would have opened up land bridges 
in between all the continents. That's right. Because the ice would be taken out of the ocean, goes up warm water uh, there right after the flood from the fountains of the deep, maybe volcanoes. The oceans are warmer. More water evaporates at the equator, comes up over the poles, comes down. We have the ice age come down, water out of the ocean. Now the ocean's more shallow. Now there's land bridges. Then as the ice, the ocean cools down, land bridges move back. Uh, water comes up, and now they're trapped here, here, here. Interesting. Yeah. I've got one more question. I'm sorry. But as a parent, I have little kids, and they're being taught evolution in school. What can I do about that? Well, I think that comes down to discipleship. We need to teach our children what the Bible says. Teach them how to defend the faith. First Peter 3.15, we're to sanctify Christ as Lord in our hearts. We're to be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks us of this hope we have. And so we teach them what the Bible says. And then we have to critique things. If they see something about a dinosaur on television, we have to be able to say, now wait a minute, we know, because God says dinosaurs and humans live together, we know what's true, and this is not true. And so, and then you have to be involved with your kids. We have a lot of parents, they're, they're Christians, but they're, they're not involved with their children. They send them off to the school, they don't know what's going on. We need to know what's going on with our children. And so we did homeschool, and uh, that was our answer to that. Why don't you uh, ask the last question for this session? Sure. Uh, it sounds like you're a young earth creationist, so that means you believe in uh, 6,000 years of human right. history. Where in the world do you get 6,000 years from? Well, good question. Uh, basically from the genealogical tables in the Bible. And what, what do they show? Well, right about 6,000 years. That's all you can get. And people say, well, aren't there huge gaps there? Couldn't there be millions of years of gaps in the genealogical tables? Well, no. Uh, matter of fact, Adam overlaps Lamech, and 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 they are all one family. Adam probably said to Lamech, uh, Lamech, great 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 grandson, get in my lap. I never should have eaten of that fruit. And uh, and then Lamech is Shem's granddaddy, and Shem comes through the flood, and Shem overlaps Abraham by about fifty years. Wow. So there there are not these huge millions, and even if there were, that doesn't help with evolution. Why? Because people are already here. And what does the evolutionist say? People were the last thing to evolve. And so any way you look at it, even if there were millions of years, it would not help with evolution. Hmm. So 6,000 years, that's about all we can get if we just take the Bible. Why did God give us those tables and tell us this one was this and old? And in such this? detail. Exactly. Such detail. Well, there's a prophetic meaning to those 6,000 well, years, right? could be, yes. Let's not get into that, though, okay. because we don't have time. Um, Dr. Martin, why don't you just tell our viewers for a moment how they can get in touch with your ministry? Probably the best way to get in touch with us is uh, our web pages. We have two. One's called biblicaldiscipleship.org, and the other one is evolutionofacreationist.com. Well, Dr. Martin, when we first started off this series, we were going to have you for three weeks, but we just, Nathan and I have enjoyed it so much, and I know our viewers have. We want to invite you back for one more week. And, and I'll I, be coming. You? Okay, great. <laughs> All right. Well, folks, uh, that's our uh, program for this week, and uh, next week we will uh, conclude uh, this series by talking to Dr. Martin about one of his favorite subjects, and that is incredible creatures that defy 
evolution. I know it will be a program that you and your children will find absolutely fascinating. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. Hello, my name is Nathan Jones, web minister with Lamb and Lion Ministries. We're using the Internet to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ to over 1 billion people who access the Internet now and after the rapture. I'd like to invite you to come and check out our website at www.lamblion.com. You will find a wealth of information about Bible prophecy, gaining a big picture view into God's plan for the ages, and learn how His eternal plan relates to you in the here and now. Watch online episodes of Christ and Prophecy for in-depth teachings on end-time events. Read from the library of articles covering all aspects of God's prophetic word. Subscribe free to receive the Lamplighter magazine, e-newsletter, and blog to stay up to date on current events as they relate to Bible prophecy. Equip yourself to share the good news with others using materials from our resource center. Come visit lamblion.com today. Christ in Prophecy is made possible through the faithful and generous support of viewers like you. Please consider making a donation to Lamb and Lion Ministries so that we can continue broadcasting the message of Jesus' soon return. Thank you, and God bless you. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 